and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a community for Australian women in small business to connect and support each other. In this podcast, we bring you the real stories of women in small business. We discuss their unique journey to small business success. We dig deeper into their story, the challenges they've faced and the support that has played a vital role along the way. And they share with us their business expertise and knowledge so that you can do the same. It's time to chat candidly about creating and building a business on your own terms. Hi everyone, welcome today. We are catching up with Larissa Garcia. Hi Larissa, how are you? Hi Danielle. So Larissa is a seasoned HR professional who's passionate about engaging in insightful and intelligent conversations with people practitioners around culture capability and making workplaces more human-centred. Uh, Larissa also supports individuals, teams and organisations as a coach, mentor, facilitator and consultant. And we're very fortunate to have her today um, discussing culture. So as small business owners, Larissa, we hear this word culture a lot. What exactly does it mean? Yeah, so culture can be a tricky one to define because I think um, large companies go out and talk about culture as though it's some magical, mythical um, type thing in their organisation that just happens. And I don't think that culture just happens. I think that um, uh, culture is one of those things that um, the easiest way for me to explain it is that it's effectively an outcome of every practice, belief, um, behaviour, every ritual within your business. Um, So it's that typical cause and effect um, type um, scenario. And um, I guess when we talk about it as a ritual or a practice or a belief, um, it's, it's basically how people interact within the environment that they're in. It's the norms. What's the norm, the normal things that are happening in your business and how is that normalising behaviour for the people that are in your, your, your business or your company? Um, so it's about how we treat customers, how we treat each other, even how we celebrate success. And there's some really good case studies that we'll go into later on in our podcast today that'll talk about some, um, some failures and some really great successes in the way that people have built great cultures in their organisation. So you said, you know, it's something that big business throws around a lot. So do us as small business owners need to really worry about it? Yeah, look, I'd say that, yes, I think um, culture goes hand in hand with business outcomes. I think that if you have a healthy culture where employees are happy and motivated, engaged with the purpose of the organisation, then that's going to be reflected in um, the way that they deal with customers um, and the outcomes that you get in your business. Um, So, you know, as an example, how many times have we been into a cafe or a retail store where staff are grumpy, disinterested, avoiding accountability, don't want to answer your questions? Um, That's culture on display. That's culture being reflected in the way that people are behaving and enacting um, uh, that, you know, the, the, the roles and the values that they have. Um, so having a, a healthy culture early on, I think is really important for, for small business. Um, if you don't make a, an effort to be intentional about your culture, it will happen around you. Um, and often it happens with um, influencers so the people that are in your business already or influences, so the things that are happening. And sometimes that can be quite dangerous if the wrong person or the wrong practices are being um, pra- uh, enabled in the business, then that's, that's what your culture is going to be reflective of. So if we can be intentional about it as early as possible, then as small business owners, I think that it's easier to get it right later on. And is it something that even if we outsource to a VA or something similar, you know, use a subcontractor, is that something that, applies in those instances as well 
Yeah, it is absolutely. So I think that, you know, when we're talking about culture for anyone, regardless of whether they're a, a outsourced VA or a contract um, person or a casual employee, it's all reflected in the the way that our um, they enact business for us, the way that they carry out um, our business and and deal with our customers. Um, you know, so I think that it's starting small. And if you've got um, one or two people within your business already, if you've got an outsourced VA, it's starting with maybe some really um, simple values in what your beliefs and values are for your organisation, how you want to run your your um, your company, how you want to treat customers, how you want to treat yourself, and just being overt about that, um, I think can help start to build that culture at a very early stage um, with very small amounts of staff, very small numbers of staff. And are there any examples that you can give us um, of maybe some of the big players in business um, that are doing this really well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's, uh, you know, the, the people like uh, Airbnb, um, there's Google, there's also Netflix. So we've all heard of the Netflix um, kind of success. And uh, if, you're, if you've been reading the article that I wrote around culture for small business, Netflix have um, a culture around building um, stunning, working with stunning people or stunning colleagues. So they don't go for this command and control, top-down, um, authoritative type culture. They actually give a lot of freedom. They give a lot of flexibility. It's around setting up the context really well rather than being that command, telling people what to do within that com context. Um, I just uh, attended a, an event yesterday where there was a large, um, I'll say entertainment company, I can't reveal who they are, and they talked about the way that they're scaling their culture. They're in a highly regulated environment. Um, they're rich with co competition in the marketplace, um, very fast paced. They're constantly changing and pivoting. Um, their product is very easy to copy for competitors. And so they're constantly having to think about innovative ways to, um, to, to be on top of that. Um, so basically they int introduced a culture that was more around high performance and how they keep people really interested, really motivated. Um, there's lots of pro professional development. They get some fantastic guest speakers in. They run some events around professional development and learning that are fantastic they do a lot around thought leadership and so they've got their own internal thought leadership program within the business um, you know they're very transparent and open in the way that they talk about their results and their year-end and how they're tracking um, they have a value around customer first and so they are very focused on what the customer needs and, and what the customer um, you know how they can retain customers and so basically everything that they do uh, is very focused on how they can retain that customer Customer, but also while building up the capability of their staff within and that leads to a culture of this really high performance fast-paced very switched on um, very innovative very creative environment um, and that of course helps with attraction and, re and retention as well it attracts great staff to work for them and retains their superstar employees what their business values are um, so communicating that to the staff but not just communicating actually acting it out and showing the staff like giving them that direction is that correct yeah. That's exactly right. So where their values, you know, I don't know their values off the top of my head, but they're very much about leadership presence as well. So it's very much led from the top. It's not, you know, and I'm not saying led from the top in an authoritative way. It's led from the top if, as in a, from a values perspective. So their values um, are on display at all times and they are, um, you know, in many organisations, they tie their values to their performance outcomes as well. So during performance appraisal time, you're not only appraised on your performance and, and what you're achieving in terms of your capability. APIs, but it's also looking at the values and how you're living those values and the behaviours associated with those values. How's that playing out in every part of your um, work and how, how are other people in the business also seeing that? 
Um, and so, you know, it's very much about transparency. It's about leadership presence. Um, the leaders are out there walking the floor, making sure that people are motivated. They are seeing those leaders make decisions. Leaders are explaining how they're making decisions. So that transparency around culture, there's courage around decision making. Um, you know, so all of these things lead back, I guess, to the, a set of values that's being enacted. And, and um, I think that that's the foundation for a great culture is having those values. So you discussed how like Netflix and Google um, Airbnb are doing a really good job of this. Are mm. uh, there some examples where we can distinctly see um, companies that are doing a terrible job of this? Yes. It's funny actually, Danielle, because I think when we, um, in my career, I've learned what not to do from, you know, I've, I've learned what to do from seeing what not to do. So that has a bigger yeah. impact on me of seeing the negatives. And I've been, um, fortunate enough to spend a lot of time in a lot of different organisations as consultant and, and, a, and a contractor over my years um, in HR. And I guess previous roles, um, when we look at culture, I can type two things very distinctly to bad cultures, and that's around legacy and leadership. And, and when you look at legacy, it's, um, you know, particular senior roles or particular people that have had high influence in the business. They've actually impacted and influenced that business so much that even years after they've left the practices and the things that are happening and the decision making um, is still there. You know, the way that they run meetings and um, and uh, are very authoritative in their approach. Um, just, you know, decision making is held at the top. It's it's not something that's pushed down. And that legacy can can take years to work its way out of the system. Um, you know, so in terms of leadership as well, I think that that's um, a really important one when it comes to culture and having a leadership team and senior leaders who are completely on board with the way that the, the, the organisation is going in terms of its culture, what they want to achieve, what that desired outcome is, and walking the talk, you know, being out there on the floor and actually role modelling those values and making sure that it's happening um, as it should be. Um, previous organisations I've worked in, uh, that legacy and leadership issue has come into play and what it's resulted in is a lot of complex um, complex processes and systems, um, lots of bureaucracy, so a form for everything, a policy for this, a procedure for that that links to another, you know, procedure for something else. Um, and what that does is it leads to this hand-holding culture and, and that no one can do anything unless they're asking someone else and getting authority for this and going through five levels of authorization for, you know, to purchase a stapler. Those and to be honest, we've all been through that at some point in our employment career. I know, I know, we have. And so, you know, I think if we looked back and reflected on the times that we've been in organisations, um, we can all pick out part of a culture that, you know, that wasn't great. Um, you know, I think that um, trust is a big one within culture and I see that play out a lot. So where there's little trust for leadership, you'll see, um, you know, some little signals coming up. It's like the flag being waved. There's lots of emails going around and people are actually covering their own tracks because of a culture of distrust and a culture of non-transparency and a culture where the collaboration is not something that's, um, you know, that's important. Um, and so the little signals that pop up um, are often, uh, you know, you can kind of read into those and say, okay, well, let's have a look at what's going on there because there's obviously an issue with culture. And I think there was an example that you've shared um, with us before around um, a company that was using Slack as its only means of communication. And so yeah. even if you were sitting <laughs> with someone, you couldn't disrupt them and talk to them, you had to slap through the Slack channel, contact them. 
That's right. Yes. So I worked with an organisation a couple of years ago who um, they had Slack as their, as their internal tool and one person used to go up and just interrupt people when they're in the middle of something. And so they decided to put a blanket um, policy across the organisation, an internal communications policy that before you approach someone, before you go up and, and start talking to someone, you have to slack, ping them on Slack um, to see if they're available and to see if they're, um, they are free to have a chat. And I think that um, with intention in place of trying to um, dampen that person from interrupting people all the time, what that meant was that everything got done on Slack and there was a lot of conflict within that organisation that I worked with because they couldn't have a decent conversation with each other. Everything was on Slack or email or, or you know, sort of done remotely, not having a, a decent, transparent conversation um, that could easily uh, stop that conflict from happening before it come up. So do you think, uh, in a practical sense, I just had a thought, so, you know, if we're very clear on, you know, I'm just thinking back to as a small business owner, very clear about what our mission and our purpose is and basically the why of what we do, why we do what we do, and we're able to, um, I think enforce is a good word, but we're able to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. Is that, is that a great sort of starting point it to is. creating that culture within our business? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, defining your vision for your company, we most of us have that already. We have our, our kind of vision and our value, our mission. Um, I think the next thing is to determine what your values are. What are the behaviours associated with the values? Um, so, for example, if you are looking at courage as a value, um, remember that a value is something that's lived and not something that's aspirational. Um, then you need to look at the positive behaviour that's attached to um, to courage. And so the behaviour that that it could be is um, that we're willing to speak up and challenge the status quo or we're able to take risks and fail and learn from this, um, you know. So I think that it's um, those, when we have those values, it's able to guide our decision-making. It's how we hire, you know. So when we're looking to hire, we're going through that recruitment process, we're wanting to get someone who fits our culture. Um, so what we actually want to look for is how they might enact courage. So asking pointed questions in the recruitment process about how they've done it before or what they might do in a situation and how they how those behaviours match up to the behaviours that we've got and the values that we've got tells us and signals to us that that's a, that's a great answer, that's, that's a potential fit for our organisation. And so the values underpin all of the things that, you know, that we do. It's around recruitment, it's around performance, it's how we reward and recognise our staff, um, it's what we tolerate, it's it's, you know, how we celebrate even um, our successes. Um, and so the values is a really great place to start. It's really interesting because as you say that, I think about Shirl Shine obviously as an organisation, yeah. um, but it's not just in who I have um, working with me as a team, it's actually as a community. It's around creating that culture within the community as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The same process of what we've, you were saying, but yeah. it doesn't just apply within my kind of um, my HR resources. It's beyond that. It so is like sense about the customer going yes. yeah. how you do each customer and how you involve them in the um, yeah. in the day to day as well. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting point, I think, because community can mean so many things. And for people in business, it's about suppliers and customers, the community they're, they're you know, kind of building. Um, and it's around having those values that are really clear for you as, as 
the decision maker often in a small business about who you will and won't work with as well. So it's not just about internally and how you treat staff. It's about how we treat customers. And, you know, so for me um, personally, I have, um, I have a value around transparency and trust. And I spoke to a client last year that I didn't get a great feel from. I didn't feel that he would be in alignment with the way that I would want to, um, uh, you know, roll out um, HR practices and, and do leadership capability. Um, and so I actually, refu I said, no, thank you very much. I don't think that we're the right client. You know, you're the right client or I'm the right person to help you out. Um, and that for me is around a values thing. So, you know, personal and business values played into that. Um, so it's building, when you're building a community, it's around having the people who are going to be, um, you know, treating each other with respect having collaboration as something that's, you know, helping each other out, propping each other up as women in business, you know, celebrating each other's successes, those sorts of things. Um, you'll find that they're probably the values that your organisation has or your company has. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Larissa. Um, culture mm -hmm. is, I know that for me personally, you hear the word culture and you think, oh gosh, one of those buzzwords, what does it mean? How does it apply to me? Is it just for the big guys? But I think you've really gone through and defined what it is and how we can actually... Um, look at how our own organisations work and what we can do to foster this, this culture from an early stage so that when we do develop and grow, it grows with us. Yes. Yeah, super important. And I think as I think I've said it already, if, if you don't, if you're not intentional about it, it will happen around you. And often by the time you get to the point where you're wanting to do something about culture or, or you've had a bad experience because you've got some issues around some particular team members or issues in your culture, um, it's often very hard to, to backtrack and try and fix those things. So the earlier you get started, the better. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Larissa. It's been great chatting to you today and I'm Thank sure you. we'll chat to you again soon about this. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about the Shine community for Australian women in small business, head to shewilshine.com.au. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the handle shewilshine.com.au. And don't forget, if you like this podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. Join us next time for the Shine podcast.